a friendly warning. Some of the stories in the Monster Box contain scenes depicting adult themes, strong language, sexual content, and intense violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, friend, and welcome to The Monster Box, a collection of audio stories of and about monsters inspired by the D&D universe. I'm your resident monster host and narrator, Chuck D. Yeager. Beside me sits the aforementioned Monster Box, a treasure chest full of stories written by a collective of monster lovers, like yourself, known as the Monster Nation. Each time I open it, I release a new tale about a different creature for your enjoyment. So let's lift the lid and see what awaits us. Today's twisted tale is a coming-of-age story involving the Water Weird. The Water Weird is a strange being, dare I say, weird, usually summoned by strong blood magic and made entirely of liquid to resemble a snake. A Water Weird obeys the commands of their master to a fault. They are master ambushers and powerful guardians. You might even have one lurking nearby you right now, in a sink or a puddle, or maybe even your favorite fountain. The question is, are you the master or the prey? This story is brought to you by Tanya Yeager, dear listener. I hope you enjoy it. It's entitled, Water Weird. Charlotte Lafitte was a curious young girl of 15 years. She lived in the old Lafitte mansion, a run-down and dilapidated colonial-style home near the outskirts of town. Townsfolk often shied away from the home. First of all, it was the central figure in many strange stories and rumors that circulated around. Secondly, it was a bit too near the swamps for most people's liking. There were rumors about the swamp being incredibly haunted. And often the two locations were connected. Thirdly, Charlotte's grandmother, Lillian, had been a particularly peculiar woman that had met an incredibly unfortunate end inside the house years before Charlotte was even conceived. The stories were numerous and constant, especially during the dark times of the year. Charlotte knew when the light faded earlier in the sky and the leaves turned orange and red, the townsfolk would turn their attention to fireside chats and concocting new stories about her home. Charlotte didn't care. She loved her home, and she loved that it set her apart. She was, indeed, other. One of the stories most often told was a tale that Charlotte knew had an air of truth to it. It was about how the mansion came into the Lafitte family. It went that Charlotte's grandmother was a swamp witch that lived in a small, strange little houseboat docked not too far from the mansion. One day, the young, handsome owner of the estate went out to the swamp to investigate the constant disappearance of his hunting hounds. He had lost five hounds in one year, and two of his companions said they witnessed the dogs being dragged into the water by some sort of swamp monster. They said it seemed to be protecting the houseboat. The story goes that he went to the houseboat to speak to Charlotte's grandmother, and instead of seeing an old swamp hag, he found a beautiful woman who enchanted him and enticed him to marry her. As soon as she left the swamp and moved into the mansion, the foul woman ensured she was pregnant with his baby and then had her husband killed. 
she gave the mansion her maiden name as title and put her swamp monster in the large fountain that stood in the back garden. Here's what Charlotte knew was true. Her grandmother had lived in an old houseboat, and her grandfather had indeed gone to speak with her and fallen in love with her. They had gotten married and were very happy for a time. And then her grandfather had taken sick, a lung infection. His wife did everything to save him with herbs and natural remedies, but the physician was out of town at the most critical moment and he didn't survive. Charlotte's grandmother had no choice but to do what most women in the Lafitte family had done, steel herself against sorrow and raise her child on her own like a good, strong woman. Charlotte also knew this. There was most certainly a swamp monster in the fountain. The first time Charlotte became aware of the creature, she was five years old. After a day of learning letters and crafting with her mother, Charlotte was given a snack and sent to the back garden to entertain herself. This was Charlotte's favorite time of day. Even though the sun was hot, the willow trees cast shadows over the garden courtyard providing shade, and she could sit for hours with her feet in the dark, cool waters of the old alabaster fountain. On that particular day, Mother had given her honey corn cake and some bits of colored ribbon to braid into bracelets and hair pieces. She sat nibbling bits of sticky cake and thinking about color combinations of ribbons that would complement her shiny black hair. The magnolias were particularly beautiful that day, and she stared at them while picking at her cake. Charlotte had not seen the little wasp that had landed on the suite next to her. Once she reached for her fourth bite, the tiny pest became annoyed and stung her repeatedly on her thumb and index finger. She yelped and swatted the little monster away so it tumbled to the edge of the fountain, too stunned to fly away immediately. As Charlotte inspected the red welts already forming on her hand, a very odd thing happened. Ripples in the pond began to stir and then produced a slight bubbling at the surface. More curious than fearful, Charlotte stared at the water, and much to her surprise, a small and strange aquatic appendage snaked its way to the lip of the fountain just beyond where she was trying to regain composure. This watery tentacle swirled with the same liquid of the fountain. Indeed, Charlotte could see bits of algae, magnolia petals, and other windblown debris that littered the pond within the strange little arm. It seemed animal, but was nothing but water and natural detritus. It crept forward, found the offending wasp, and surrounded the thing. The wasp struggled violently as it was scooped from the lip of the fountain into the water where it sunk with strange heaviness to the bottom. And then, as if nothing had happened at all, the water quieted and a warm breeze blew once more. Charlotte sat on the fountain for at least an hour or more and watched with scrutinizing suspicion. Nothing else moved. After that, she paid more attention to the fountain, but from a distance at first. She had tried to tell her mother something was in the water. Her mother just grumbled something about the creepy old house and lamented that they had nowhere else to go on her current salary. She told Charlotte to stay away from it and find somewhere else to play in the yard. It was the winter that she turned six that Charlotte's closest neighbor had kittens, and she was allowed her pick of the litter. She had not quite forgotten all about the bizarre episode near the fountain, so when the black and white kitten was old enough, she took it out to play in the courtyard. She sat on the ground in her favorite blue dress just a few feet from the fountain. She giggled and teased the spry kitten with a golden piece of yarn. The cat, a tumbling ball of baby sharp teeth, claws, and soft fluff, rolled and jumped and bit at the string. 
The sweet thing got so riled in its play that it abandoned the yarn altogether and went after Charlotte's hand instead. It wrapped its small, fluffy body around her arm, kicking its back legs and biting Charlotte's hand. Charlotte cried out and pried the kitten loose. It landed with a quick flick of its tail near the fountain. Charlotte inspected the raised red scratches and puncture marks as they blossomed with fresh blood. Faster than she could even move, the fountain began to bubble and shot out a liquid tendril much larger than the one she had seen before. She thought she had seen a serpent-like face sneering behind it. It snatched the kitten with two jerky movements and pulled the surprised feline into the pool. No! Charlotte dove after it, landing with her upper torso in the water, arms flailing about to reach for the cat. One large aquatic tentacle wound its way around her scratched hand, and suddenly, Charlotte felt paralyzed. The bizarre arm caressed her small wounds, and she felt herself dizzy with pleasure. Her eyes closed, and her head became a fog full of visions. A woman. Her grandmother. She knew from the pictures of her around the house. She was standing in the swamp water near the back of a houseboat. Her raven hair swirled like snakes around her while her pale skin sparkled in the moonlight. She was naked except for a necklace of bones and a belt of feathers and shells. She waded into the swamp waters, sure to be infested with crocodiles and black water eels. She brandished a silver knife, cut three fingertips, and dropped her blood into the water. Charlotte heard her grandmother say words that felt familiar, but strange. Weird and wild come the water here. Coalesce and shape around my home so near. Weave into form and protect my body and soul. Defending my home and self is your noble goal. Bound are we too by visions and blood right. Warn me of my foes both day and night. Stay with me loyal until the end of time and pass thee on to the ready and deserving bloodline. When Charlotte came to herself again, she was laying on the ground next to the fountain. She rubbed her eyes and looked at her soaked dress. The vision had been so clear. She glanced around for just a moment, looking for her grandmother. Of course, she was not there. She remembered the kitten and jumped to her feet. She stood, gawking at the fountain, where a tiny black and white body floated lifeless and waterlogged in the middle of the pool. Charlotte gasped as tears sprang to her eyes, but she did not go and tell her mother. She thought of the vision and of her grandmother. She had been so powerful, and indeed Charlotte felt power coursing through her as she stood soaked to the bone. Big drops of water fell from her blue dress as she approached the fountain again, cautiously. She didn't know how she knew, but her grandmother had meant for this home and all of its contents to be hers. She knew in that moment there were more secrets waiting for her here, if only she would spend time looking for them. She reached her hand to the water, a breath away, and not quite touching the surface. The water bubbled underneath her fingers and caressed her tiny knuckles. She giggled, no longer concerned with the lifeless cat floating nearby. <laughs> Mine. She proclaimed, and then turned and skipped into the house to change her clothes. From that time on, Charlotte made more excuses as to why she must spend extra time in rooms like the library, and she took to playing and reading in all her grandmother's old rooms. At first, her mother protested loudly about her presence in the neglected room, but Charlotte protested right back and would often lock herself inside her grandmother's room. 
Her mother was not strong-willed enough to resist for long and would give up, often in favor of a bottle of liquor, leaving her for hours. Charlotte studied strange maps and notes that she found under the floorboards of the bed. Some of the maps were of the nearby swamps, and some were of the stars, the moon, and constellations. The notes were often half-written, and depicted a kind of recipe of sorts. They told of herbs and stones in certain combinations. Some had titles like To Sweeten or To Ward. She did not know why, but when she read them, she felt strong and excited. A kind of tingling happened throughout her body, and she felt as though she need only speak a thing to make it real. This exploration went on for years. It was the day after her 10th birthday that Charlotte's mother called her into the kitchen. The woman was growing more loathsome and embarrassing by the day. Charlotte was certain her mother had not bathed in a week, and she had taken to smoking in the house and drinking long before noon. She had also allowed a man named Russell to move into the home. They often drank late into the night and were loud when Charlotte was trying to read or sleep. Charlotte did not like Russell. He was a hard man with a dangerous smile, and she told her mother so more than once. The woman's reply was the same every time. That man works a good job and is putting food in our bellies, so you shut up with that talk. Charlotte was finishing a book of her grandmother's that she had found in the library. The cover of the book said, Medicine of Ancient Greece. But when she opened it, the pages had been replaced with a complete handwritten document that was labeled The Grimoire of Lillian Iona Lafitte. She closed the book with a sigh at her mother's call. Charlotte, come here. She entered the kitchen. Yes, mother? The gardener's in the back garden. Take him his pay for the month. I'm going to take a nap. Charlotte took the bills and went to the back door. They had not had a gardener work there for a very long time. It had been mostly left to Charlotte to clear the pathways, since she was the one that most frequented the courtyard. Indeed, Russell must have a good job to pay for someone to come out. Maybe she could convince her mother to ask him to repair the old atrium. That room was mentioned in almost every page of her grandmother's book. The air was hot and humid outside as Charlotte walked out to the magnolia tree. The gardener stood underneath it, hiding from the sun and sipping from a flask. Well, hi there, pretty girl, he said with a delighted smile. I didn't know anyone else was home. My mother is, Charlotte said, smoothing out her jumper. She's taking a nap right now. She wanted me to give you this. She handed the man the bills and he took them in his large, warm hands. You got soft hands, he said. Charlotte felt her palms go sweaty and an electrical warning surged somewhere behind her heart. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to go read now. She turned to leave and the man called to her. Wait, this old fountain here. Well, I think there's a lot of leaves blocking up the pump. It needs to be drained and fixed. He walked over to the fountain and peered in. Charlotte followed him with a bit of panic in her blood. No one touches the fountain, she said. Well, I got a pump back home. I could do the job for just a little bit extra tomorrow. It sure would work a lot better. And I could come back and visit you, he said with a big, wide smile. He sat on the corner of the fountain and watched at her as she stared down at the dark water. I, I, I don't think my mother has the money. Well, I could do it for free. For you. Charlotte studied the man's smiling face. She was confused by this and could not figure out the strange pulsing behind her eyes. Why would you do that? She asked. Well, County, you're so pretty and nice and soft, he said, brushing a lock of her black hair behind her eyes and dragged his finger down her bare arm. Charlotte froze. 
Why don't you sit here next to me and chat for a while? My wife and daughter left the state some time ago, and I sure have been missing the company. Charlotte felt a sense of paralysis as he took her hand and pulled her to sit next to him. His hand had fallen firmly on her knee, and he was keeping it there. A sweaty grip that spoke of intimidation and control. As he chatted to her about the weather and plants, she surveyed the grounds, calculating the best path to run. How many steps to the house versus how many steps to the side path through the bushes that led to the street? The swamp was directly behind, but that would only lead to water and seclusion. She needed another adult. Mother would be passed out cold on the other side of the house. Stupid woman. I should really get back to reading inside. Her voice was shaking a bit. Oh, what you reading? My grandmother's book on ancient Greece. Ha <laughs> ha! He laughed delightedly. And you're smart, too. What a great little girl you are. I would love to have a girl like you around my house. He took his hot palm off her knee and quickly wound it around her shoulders, pulling her closer into what felt like a cage made of sweaty flesh and stale breath. His arm clamped down on her tight. He whispered lecherously into her ear, I could just eat you up. The mounting alarm behind her heart exploded with sound and a flash of red light streaked behind her eyes. But Charlotte stayed still. So still. She breathed. She thought of grandmother. How strong she was. Grandmother would never, she would never tolerate this. But grandmother would be smart. So smart. Charlotte turned towards the disgusting man and looked him directly in the eyes with the most sweetness she could muster on her face. You are so nice. She cooed to him. If we are to be good friends, you must tell me your name. My name's Lillian. Saying her grandmother's name sent a surge of power through her. She watched the man's eyes grow wide and his smile even wider. Lillian, how beautiful. His grip on her softened ever so slightly, the way she hoped it would. My name is Rich. He didn't even get his full name out. Charlotte sprang from his arms and broke into a run towards the side path that led to the street. Several neighbors would be home and much more responsive than her own mother. She had just made it to the stone pathway near the elder bushes when the man grabbed her dress and they went toppling over into the undergrowth. No, no, he said as she kicked and flung about in the dirt. Let go! Stop! She screamed, and his huge hand immediately went over her mouth, and then she thrashed her head from side to side. His muscular body constricted down and around her, and he shoved his other hand between her legs. I like it a little bit better over here anyway. More privacy, he sneered. Charlotte fought with all of her strength, and her mind cried out in terror to the space around her. She found herself calling for God once, and then abandoning it, and screaming for her grandmother instead. His body pinned her hard to the ground, and her brain exploded in raging but muffled pleas for help. Just when Charlotte was about to give up, and hot tears spilled down her cheeks, there was a momentary shift and stillness in her attacker. A sheer look of confusion passed over his face, and all attention was off her and he looked back towards his feet. It took only a moment, but Charlotte saw it. A massive watery tentacle wrapped halfway up the gardener's leg. And with one powerful yank, he was dragged backwards, screaming loudly down the stone and dirt pathway and away from Charlotte. She knew she should not follow. She should run as fast as she could to a neighbor or enter her own house and lock the doors and call the sheriff. But she didn't, because she knew what was coming next, and she needed to see it. She flipped onto her knees and crept swiftly to the edge of the house. 
She heard it before she saw it, the sound of the man screaming and being dragged and then pounded against the stonework of the fountain. As she peered around the corner, her breath caught in her throat. Suspended in the air, flailing wildly above the fountain, was the man, held aloft by a huge appendage. Behind it, and staring menacingly at its prey, was the savage and snarling face of an aquatic serpent. Made completely of the brackish water from the fountain, its sinewy body and head swirled with black and green algae as it stared menacingly at the now bleeding gardener caught in its watery grasp. The man was hysterical now and made such a sound that Charlotte could hear dogs down the street begin to bark. The creature seemed to hesitate and then looked her way in a sort of holding pattern. It was waiting for her. She felt it. She knew it. Charlotte got to her feet and took two steps forward into the sunlight of the courtyard. The man saw her, and he begged, suspended upside down. Please, please help me! Charlotte fixed her face into a perfect mask of stone and drew a deep breath. She summoned every ounce of power she had ever felt and gently nodded her head. Do it! She said to the beast. In a flash of a second, the man was dashed once again into the stonework with a crunch of bone that Charlotte could feel in her own body. He cried out as he was dragged under the water, and she watched him struggle, fighting to rise up and to take air. He thrashed and flailed, his arms creating huge arcs of water spilling out onto the ground. Fresh blood began to spill into the water, and the sight of it gave Charlotte pause. She let the struggle continue for another moment, and then gave the command. Stop! Immediately, the thrashing calmed, and the man came up gasping and coughing. Another look of terror tore across his horrified face as he was lifted and spilled out onto the ground in front of the fountain. Help! God damn it! Help me! He reached out to Charlotte. Charlotte took a step backwards and looked down at the wet and shaking man. He bled from his nose and his mouth, and he held his right side in agony. Please! He said. I think my ribs are broken. She stared at him, like seeing a smashed cockroach for the first time. Her lip curled in disgust. You get out of here and don't come back, she whispered, or I'll let it kill you. She smoothed her jumper and walked away. In the years that followed, Charlotte doubled her efforts to learn all she could and began conducting little experiments at the fountain when her mother was out or otherwise indisposed. She would inevitably be passed out in the room on the other side of the house, as Charlotte brought all manner of insects and small animals to the water creature. She discovered a good deal in those days. If anything hurt her or threatened to harm her, the creature would arise. And indeed, she finally got to the point that she could command the beast. She could get it to take an animal within an inch of its life and then instruct it to release. Every time, it obeyed. The most fascinating thing she learned is that if the creature touched any part of her body that had been injured or bleeding, she would be given visions of the past, primarily of her grandmother. Each little vision was like a blessed classroom lesson on her own strength and power. Charlotte began pricking her fingers to purposely test this. In just weeks, she graduated to sharp skinning knives to intensify the blood visions that came after. From these visions, she gleaned much. Charlotte knew now that she was a witch, with inherited magic from Lillian Iona Lafitte. She knew their power came from this house and the land it was on. She saw that her grandmother had warded and spelled and enchanted all parts of the house inside and out, all meant for her to find and decode and learn. And she knew that the creature, a water weird, 
was a gift Lillian had conjured to protect and serve her descendants with the craft. The thing was loyal only to Charlotte and did not recognize her mother whatsoever. Little surprise there, as that woman had not one drop of magic inside her weak and drunken body. Charlotte was fourteen and a half when she sat out in the moonlight next to the fountain with a jar of captured fireflies. One by one, she would take the fireflies and set them into the water and command the water weird. Kill it, she would say, and the helpless insect would be dragged down to the bottom. Release it. And the creature would push the bug out from the water with one swift flick of a tentacle, leaving it stunned on the ground next to her feet. In her boredom, her mind wandered back to the gardener. Not a day went by that she didn't remember his hands on her. Even more, not a day went by that she didn't recall the sound of his crunching bones and how satisfying it had been to see him twisting in pain. She thought about it a lot, actually, and it frightened her, but it also thrilled her in a manner that she felt deep in her young bones. Charlotte shifted uncomfortably next to the fountain. Her back had begun to ache, and a strange cramping started in her belly. She put her hand to her navel and breathed deeply. Her head swam with pain for a moment, and she thought she might vomit. She checked her surroundings and steadied herself on the fountain edge. She closed her eyes and scanned her body for illness. The smallest sensation came in her underclothing, moisture between her legs. She stood quickly, and the sensation became a momentary flooding. She stared at the spot where she had sat. Blood. Moon blood. A woman's blood. For the first time. Charlotte hiked up her dress and stared at her legs, shiny white in the moonlight. The blood trickled slowly down her thighs, and she thought of Lillian's grimoire. Lillian had written of a witch's first moon blood, and Charlotte could almost hear her grandmother's writings in her head. Great magic is held in a woman's monthly blood. It is a cleansing magic that renders the woman even more powerful. The rhythms of our bodies match that of the heavens and the earth and it serves to remind us that we can work with the elements of nature for our own ends. The first moon blood of a young witch is the most powerful and should be treated as sacred. Used in appropriate rituals, this substance can bring upon the Great Sight. The Great Sight. Surely Charlotte knew what to do with this. Just then, Charlotte heard her mother stumbling around in the kitchen just beyond the courtyard. No doubt the woman had not eaten all day and was in search of food to soak up the alcohol in her belly. Charlotte sighed and looked at the small blood stain on the fountain. She would go in tonight and collect what she could for future use. Storing it would be difficult, but she would think of something. More importantly, she would return to the fountain the next night and command the great sight that Lillian had written about. Her breath came fast with curiosity. She could do it now. She need only step into the fountain and share her blood. But the cramping in her belly intensified with waves of nausea she was not accustomed to, and her mother was wandering about. It would not do. She would have to wait. That entire night, and the next day, Charlotte tended to herself like a child queen. She locked herself in her room and cleaned her body with perfumed soaps from her mother's washroom. She massaged magnolia and clary sage oils onto her belly and low back. She took the fragrant white flowers from the garden and weaved them into her black curly hair. She lacquered her fingers and toes with ruby paint and rimmed her eyes in her mother's coal makeup. She dressed in her sheerest white nightgown and put on every scrap of jewelry she could find in the house while her mother was not looking. 
Her grandmother had hidden a belt of bells under the floorboards in the atrium. Finding it years ago, Charlotte had not dared to wear the sacred thing. Until now. She snuck into the kitchen when the house was quiet and filled a basket with biscuits, cornflower honey, and fruits from the property. She sat on her bedroom floor with the door locked and the old Vitrola playing. She dined out of the basket like a princess, sitting on tufts of white raw cotton that collected her blood. She would collect the cotton in a jar periodically and mix it with water she had harvested at the last lightning storm. The red liquid was stored under the floorboards as well. Never before had Charlotte felt so connected to her grandmother and to this house. She created a shrine in the middle of her room to Lillian. On it, she placed several sepia-toned photographs and an odd assortment of her grandmother's belongings. An ivory comb with calla lilies, an empty rose glass perfume bottle, a silver spoon with a water serpent engraved on the handle, and of course, Lillian's grimoire. I'll see you tonight, grandmother. Charlotte promised as she stared lovingly at the photos. Sleepily, she arranged pillows on the floor in front of the shrine with a silk kimono as a blanket, and there she slept until the moon rose again in the courtyard. It was midnight when Charlotte glided down the stairs like a ghost to the back patio door. She quietly slipped out and walked at her full height, a woman in white, to the fountain. She put her hand on her belly and took a deep breath. Her cramps had receded into a fullness that felt brimming with physical potential. She felt as though her blood nourished the land, and the land nourished her soul. It was a circle that she fed into with all of her energy. Charlotte took one look around the dark and quiet courtyard, and knowing she was alone, she slipped off her underclothes and stepped into the cold, dark waters of the fountain. She had never attempted this before and felt a moment of anxiety. She calmed herself extended her fingers down into the water, and spoke directly to the serpent. You will serve me now. Bound are we too by visions and blood rites. In the hour of my first moon, you will show me great sight. The water at her feet bubbled instantly like a great cauldron, and soon the large aquatic appendages of her water weird appeared above the surface and began to wrap around Charlotte's bare legs. They caressed her thighs where her moon blood streaked downward, and almost immediately, Charlotte swooned in her ecstatic vision and struggled to stay upright. In her mind's eye, the darkness receded, black to gray, gray to white. The scene began to develop in front of her and revealed a great marble hall filled with white flowers and silks. A thousand ivory candles illuminated the space, and there in front of her, on the great throne made of crocodiles, was her grandmother Lillian Iona Lafitte. Lillian sat smiling, dressed in the same sheer nightgown and belt of bells, a mirror image of Charlotte, with a caiman-headed staff in her hands. My granddaughter, she said, and spread her arms wide to receive Charlotte. Charlotte fell into Lillian's open embrace and was wrapped in a pleasure she had never known. Sheer love coursed through her body and blanketed her in deep comfort. She felt sure she would never be alone again. And you will not, Lillian said, reading her thoughts. Nor have you ever been. Not really. She gestured behind her throne, and Charlotte saw hundreds of shining people standing behind her grandmother. Who are they? Charlotte whispered as her grandmother held her. They are your ancestors, your family. Each one of them a magical god or goddess in their own right. 
a lineage that goes back on this planet to Egyptian times and the god Sobek. Where there is life-given water, there is always magic. They have been the magic users of the past, protecting their waters all over the globe. Now they are guiding you from your ancestral hall, as am I. Charlotte looked at the kind and beautiful faces of her ancestors, each one dressed in white like a glittering king or queen, each one with raven black hair like hers and a halo of silvery light emanating from their bodies. They all held caiman-headed staffs of Sobek. The love they reflected back to Charlotte washed over her like tidal waves, and she sobbed in her own joy. No, no, don't cry, kissed Lillian. We will never leave you. And you've done well. You have found my many messages and studied so much. And this meeting is only possible through your first moon. Not many of us would have figured out what to do at such a young age. You are a very powerful sorceress, Charlotte. You will have much to be grateful for. Charlotte gazed up into her grandmother's glittering green eyes. But what must I do? What is my purpose? And... How can I accomplish anything with- Her voice caught in her throat, thinking of her mother, absent, non-existent, hostile, and drunk these last years. She is temporary, Charlotte, and unimportant to your goals. She is to be tolerated as long as you must, and then you should not think on her anymore. But what is my goal? Croaked Charlotte, feeling unworthy suddenly of the silk being poured into her ears by this magical woman. It is what all our goals have been. Protect the waters, learn the mysteries, keep the mysteries, and pass them to future magic users. This is all there has ever been for our lineage. There will come two men in your life, one of love and one of hatred. One will give you a precious gift, a magical child who will do amazing things in this world and the next. One will try to poison your land and your swamp, and you will fight him to your dying day. This is your fate and your destiny, but you must remain with your waters. You must remain on our land, the land that I have provided for you. Follow the path that I have set before you, and you will join your family here, in our ancestral hall for all time. Lillian held out her hand, and a woman appeared at her side. Her skin was smooth, milky white, and her ebony hair was plaited into a single braid down her back. Her eyes glistened like amber honey, and when she smiled at Charlotte, it felt like the sun. This is my grandmother, Charlotte. Her name is Iona, Lillian said, and she taught me the mysteries as she learned them from her eldest brother, Gabriel, who learned them from his great-grandmother, Sibella. A man appeared at her side, Gabriel black curling hair framing his face, and his hand outstretched. The woman Iona took his hand and then offered hers to Charlotte. Charlotte took the woman's hand and they stood in this way, Charlotte embraced by her grandmother and connected to her direct ancestors for some time. But something wasn't right. There was a sound from far away, a cry she wanted to ignore but could not. She felt her grandmother's breath catch and she looked into her eyes. The cries grew louder closer and more urgent. She became panicked. Lillian frowned momentarily and caressed Charlotte's face. You must go now. No, I don't want to. You must, Charlotte. 
and you must remember everything that's happened here. You must fight for your land and the waters surrounding them and fulfill your fate. Use what I have given you. Protect our land at all costs. Charlotte had one last look into her grandmother's eyes before her mind went black. She jolted back into the cold night air, and there were screams in her ears. Her mother shrieking. Strong hands were gripping her wet body, and there was a throbbing in her head. The vision, her grandmother, her family, they were gone. And only her drunken, miserable mother remained, dragging her from the fountain, stinking of booze, and screaming some nonsense. Charlotte saw red rage before she even opened her eyes. Charlotte! Dear God, Charlotte! Her mother's hideous, rasping voice. What in the fresh hell is this? Charlotte lay outside the fountain on the ground, surrounded by water tinged with her own menstrual blood. The water weird was visible, and her mother stooped next to her, half-drenched and staring between her daughter and the monstrous sea serpent in the fountain. We gotta get out of here, Charlotte. Get up now, girl. We're leaving. No, mother. Charlotte said flatly, trying to control her rage and her throbbing head. What? That thing! We gotta go. It'll kill us both. It already tried to kill you. Charlotte could barely open her eyes, but she could imagine what her mother had seen. Saw it clearly in her own mind. The woman had stumbled out half drunk in the night and seen her standing in the fountain, the water weird's aquatic arms and fins rising up her skirt and caressing her lower body as she undulated against it in a trance. Her underclothes on the ground next to the fountain and her moon blood spilling out into the pool. The woman's 14-and-a-half-year-old daughter grinding against a water monster and caught in ecstatic visions. Enough to upset any mother, idiot or not. We are leaving this house this instant. I'm calling Russell and packing our bags. To hell with this horrid place. It's unholy and unnatural, and I won't have you here a minute longer. Get up! Her mother stood over her, screaming. No! Charlotte repeated. Charlotte, you get up this instant, or so help me God, I will drag you. We're not staying in this house of evil any longer. I should have burned it to the ground when my mother died. The water in the fountain began to bubble and swirl. The water weird was agitated in connection with Charlotte's rage. It swooped, bobbing and weaving its head closer towards Charlotte, and her mother recoiled. Charlotte, get up now! She grabbed Charlotte's arm and yanked her forward. Mother, stop it. I'm not going anywhere. This is my home. Grandmother left it to me. Your grandmother was a crazy evil woman that you never even met. The woman shrieked. Now get up before I drag you out by your hair. She pulled at Charlotte's arm and resisting, Charlotte screamed. I am not leaving. Her voice dropped down into a low growl. Now go inside and leave me alone. Do not touch me again. Charlotte felt the water weird behind her, dripping, poised, ready to strike. She knew her mother would take her away from here after this. She knew there was no coming back after this. She had been looking for a reason to move in with Russell and get what money she could out of this old house. Charlotte saw two paths of her life she could take very clearly in her mind. A life of magic and mystery and profound meaning. A life spent in accordance with her ancestry and power beyond belief. A life that Charlotte wanted. And then the other path. Weakness, monotony, abuse, alcoholism, mediocrity. Charlotte was already beyond that now. It would not do. And what had her grandmother said? She is to be tolerated as long as you must, and then you should not think on her anymore. I warned you, girl. Now we do it my way. Charlotte went limp as she felt her mother's strong hands take hold of her hair like a sailor's rope. She relaxed against the jerk and the pain that exploded through her head as her mother dragged her across the courtyard. She took a deep breath 
and opened her eyes. The water weird watched their exit, waiting for the word. If she did this, there was no return. If she did not, her home, her destiny, her magic was lost. Kill her, Charlotte whispered. Like lightning, the creature struck. In a watery arc across the yard, the monster projected at Charlotte's mother. Her grip loosened from Charlotte's hair and she scrambled towards the bushes near the walk path. Charlotte's heart exploded as she watched her mother scream and the entire brackish form of the water weird knocking her to the ground and entered her open mouth and nostrils. The woman thrashed on the concrete as water foamed, spilled, and reformed, plunging in and out of her mouth in a violent torrent that shredded her lungs and ripped her head in painful positions. The sound was the worst. A noise between retching and liquid, bubbling screams that seemed to go on forever. When Charlotte could no longer bear it, she whispered once more, Stop. The water weird receded immediately, careening back into the fountain in a tidal wave that cascaded liquid over the side to the tile down below. Charlotte's mother lay drenched and breathless on the ground. Charlotte stood on shaky legs and went to her side. She stood over her and reached out with her mind. She sensed life in her still. Alive, but barely. I told you, Charlotte said with all the strength she could muster. This is my home. I will not be leaving. Charlotte smoothed her wet hair from her face and calmed her breath. She turned back to the fountain. It was only half full after so much water loss and swirled in a spiral of irritation that was palatable. She bent down and touched her fingers into the torrent of rushing water, caressing it and shushing it quietly. Be calm, she said. You did your job. The water calmed to a glassy stillness. Charlotte walked over to the spout at the side of the house and uncoiled a long black garden hose. She turned the knob and watched the clear water flow freely onto the courtyard tiles. She walked to the fountain and rested it under the surface to allow it to refill. As her mother lie, unconscious on the ground, Charlotte went from bush to bush in the garden, picking gardenias and jasmine. She stepped over her mother's outstretched legs and began to line the edges of the fountain until the outer entire lip was covered with beautiful white blossoms. When she was done, she stood quietly in front of the fountain. Thank you. Charlotte took a deep breath, walked past her mother, and went back inside her house. The local paper posted obituaries every Thursday. There was a small picture of Charlotte's mother at the bottom of the page. It read, Corrine Sybil Lafitte, daughter of Lillian Iona Lafitte of Lafitte Mansion, transitioned last Sunday night, the 3rd of October. Corrine was a loving single mother and community member who was dedicated to the caretaking of Lafitte property and the nearby swampland to pass down to her only daughter, Charlotte. She died comfortably, surrounded by friends and family, in her own bed, after a month-long battle with a rare and unexpected lung infection. She will be missed. And with that, our story comes to a close. With a name like The Water Weird, you kind of have to expect some strange things to happen in the story surrounding this creature. I was thrilled to see this tale step out of high fantasy and splash itself firmly into the modern age, pulling no punches and tackling some intense scenes. It's a good reminder that monsters are all around us, and they come in many shapes and sizes. Being summoned creatures that act as guardians, this story puts the water weird right in its home element. Oh, and 
I don't think I'm going to look at old fountains ever quite the same way again. Thank you for tuning in. Today's tale was written by Tanya Yeager. It was narrated and produced by Chuck D. Yeager. Voice talent was provided by Lila Jones, Tanya Yeager, and myself. All music is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. If you have a story about a monster and want to join the illustrious writers of the Monster Nation, feel free to contact us at themonsterboxawaits at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, there's a story within every monster.